Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the 12th, or the 6th chapter, the 12th verse. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 12. There are many things about this particular book that, that we could talk about and this uh, specific chapter. But I am going to just narrow our focus down to one verse found in 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 12. Paul writes and says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Maybe lawful, but it's not expedient. It's not the best, if you will. He goes on and says, all things are lawful for me. And then he, he makes this declaration. But I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, I, I have the ability, the strength to choose and free will decide what I will allow to rule my life. I will not be brought under or in submission under the power of any. Maybe okay, maybe able to tolerate it, maybe not. Uh, Time will tell, but I know this. I'm going to stay in charge of the situation and I will not be brought under anything that I do not allow or permit to happen directly to me. So people, sometimes we live our lives as though we have no, no choice, no strength, no ability, no, nothing we can do. But Paul said, oh yeah, I, I can decide if this is going to or... And, and, and I'm, I'm determined. So I want to talk to you for a little while today from this thought, the power of incremental influence. The power of incremental influence. All right? God bless you. You may be seated. If I... Now, take Matt and Tim and some others out of this, but if I were to say, um, gravitational coupling. Does anybody know what gravitational coupling may be? Come on, Sarah. hundred bucks? <laughs> now, I know there, there are some people here that probably are being modest, and if you're not, then I'll help you come to an understanding here in a moment of what gravitational coupling happens to be. Tim Suttle wrote about it, and he said, NASA has a program called the NEO. The NEO is Near Earth Object, and it's a program. So it's the Near Earth Object program, the NEO. What the NEO does is they track, everybody say track, they track all of these huge, huge asteroids that are orbiting our solar system. So in our solar system, there are asteroids that are orbiting, that have broke off or splintered off, and those objects, if you will, huge in size and nature, in most situations are hurled, if you will, toward our little speck of dust called Earth in that solar system. And these asteroids are orbiting around there, and NASA has put a program together to keep track of all of these asteroids, the Near Earth Object 
program. And they think about and they deal with every one of them that poses a threat to earth. So if any one of those asteroids appear to be headed toward earth, or there's some type of intersection that will happen out there in light years or months or days to come, they track those and do what they can to avert the impact or the threat that could be there. So if this is threatening us, you don't even know this happens. You just get up in the morning, make your coffee, and act like everything's great. But while you're getting up making your coffee, there are real threats in our solar system that are headed toward Earth that have the potential to decimate everything that we are familiar with. And so NASA tracks these things, and anyone that any one of those that, that may have that potential, they do something about it. And what scientists do is they launch satellites out into our solar system. They launch satellites, create these little beautiful things we call satellites that you thought they were just helping you make your phone call or, or no, there's a whole lot more to this. Send them out to intercept the asteroids while that object is still at a distance from Earth. Because here's what happens. When things get like an asteroid, they enter a certain space we no longer can do anything about it. We just have to live with whatever, if we do survive, whatever the consequence of the impact is. And so the importance of it all is to somehow intercept those things far enough away that we can do something about it. All right? So this satellite, I love this, they get close enough to the asteroid that it actually can get as near as possible without touching the object, okay? So it's not an impact. We're sending something out there that will impact an asteroid, destroy it where it is, and everything will be taken care of. Many times we think that to eliminate a threat, we have to remove it completely. And there are some situations where that may be the case. But in this situation, that may create more of a problem when you splinter this into a bazillion pieces and now you cannot just deal with one issue. Now you have a bazillion pieces of whatever headed your way. So we think, I'm going to attack this situation head on and it'll answer it. That's not always the case. Satellites will get so close to those asteroids without touching them, and it's in this close proximity that the satellite, I love this, exerts a tiny bit of gravitational so the, the whole point of the project is to get the satellite close enough that it doesn't necessarily destroy what's there, but inflicts on the asteroid the tiniest bit of gravitational pull, the influence of gravity upon this. Now, the reason they would do this is because getting so close to this asteroid and exerting this small amount of gravitational force on it, this relatively small in size satellite can actually change the trajectory of a giant global killing asteroid. So you can have an asteroid bigger than this auditorium or this entire school, or the property that this school is setting on that is hurling toward us, and it's a threat to our lives, and a small satellite can be launched there that maybe is just the size of this pulpit, and enough gravitational pull 
can be put or forced on the asteroid that it literally changes the trajectory of this big object and thwarts the devastation that is to come. It's a real thing, and it's called gravitational coupling, where one object couples with the other. And even though the smaller, more seeming to be insignificant part of this, nothing, no way this could ever change. Something so small can affect something so large when it begins to couple with the other object or comes into a unity. Now, this whole scenario... I hope you're, you're interested in this. If not, you'll just have to suffer through it. But <laughs> the whole scenario depends on the ability of the satellite to intercept the asteroid while it is still far enough away to make a difference. A tiny change in its trajectory while it is a thousand miles away would be enough to steer it away from impacting earth. So if you wait until it's close, that coupling will not make a difference at all. The whole thing depends on finding it far enough away that a small bit of influence can change the outcome. Come on, somebody help me. I want to tell you that we all have many influences in our lives. And it's important for us to think carefully about who and what we are allowing into the close proximity of our lives. So I don't think this matters. Oh, you hear, Pastor, today. It matters who and what you allow into your life, what you couple with, who you couple with, because it will make a huge difference. We have to be careful about our relationships because those choices are critical. I don't see any difference right now. You won't when it's a thousand miles away. But when it starts getting closer, you will. You will recognize. You, you, don't, you don't have to look very hard or spend much time in all of this to realize that just a small degree of influence or being off course a long way away makes a huge difference when it gets close. Because time has elapsed and uh, redirection has taken place. And so when I, when I came upon this, I thought of us, those whom we allow to draw close to us are actually affecting us in a gravitational coupling kind of way. Well, it's just a friendship. It was just a conversation. It, it, they didn't mean anything by it. It was something small. It was just, it's, it's insignificant. Yes, when a small satellite can save the entire earth from, from something so large. They, it wasn't, it, there wasn't any, there, I didn't mean anything. Be very careful what you've allowed to start influencing your life. Help, help me somebody. Because people can have a significant impact on the trajectory of our lives and our work and our future, especially if it's miles down the road. We don't see it right now, but there's a big difference when you're talking about time and miles. We are living in a blessed day. Somebody shout a blessed day. 
We have the, the, the wonderful opportunity of abundance and ability and things are all around and with the right connections and, and with the right amount of finances, we can acquire pretty much whatever our heart desires. And in all honesty, this is something we should be thankful for. We have multiple of a lot of things in our life. We, we have abundance. We have abilities. We have uh, like no other time in the history of the world. And when we start exploring some of these possibilities, there are a few things that, that we would say are in short supply. I mean, if you can't find it somewhere, what do most of us do now? You go to Amazon or you Google this or you try. And if you can't get it, uh, where is Justin? Justin? Justin's helping me. He's security or usher. He's around here. But Justin... He kept bothering us. He bothered my wife. Not me as much. He bothered her. Justin wanted spam from Hawaii. And he wanted a certain type of spam from Hawaii. He wanted like Maui snow. Have you ever heard of Maui snow? Well, they do get snow in Maui in the higher, on the mountain peaks certain times of the year. So if you didn't know that, now you know. But they want, he wanted Maui snow. So, so I guess spam, whenever, way back in the day, they, they introduced all of these various types of flavors. And one of them was Maui snow and it has a distinctive taste. My wife researched this. I promise you, she told me all this because Justin was saying, find me some Maui snow. He's crying like a baby and just like, Find me Maui snow. There he is. He's coming in and he looks guilty. Find me some Maui snow. So we're looking for Maui snow and she goes in all, risk her life, goes in all kinds of of grocery stores and places and and we couldn't find any Maui snow. But what did we find, Justin? What what, do you have? Where, 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 get, walk up here. Come on, come on. I want you to show everybody. So I said, babe, we cannot find Maui snow. We've looked everywhere for Maui snow, but we're going to get Justin something. And I found something for Justin. Do you see what I got, Justin? It says, I love spam socks. And so Justin got him some, I love spam socks from Maui. (laughs) And he's excited. He was teary eyed. He was really teary eyed over his socks. (laughs) <laughs> listen she even looked on amazon we're, we're living in a day where you're trying to work most of the time you can find the abundance of all kinds of things whatever whatever it is that you're looking for but there are few things that are in short supply and i'm not going to go through all of those things i'll just mention one and the one thing that is the most important and most valuable of all of those things that's in short supply is your life. My life. We only have one. One. Tell your neighbor, one. That's all you get. That's it. One. Not many. Not a bunch. Not find it everywhere. Not redo. Not try it again. No. One. Man, when, when, when you think of this and the case that we only have one, th- th- this means that my life matters. Your life matters. It matters more than anything else. It's more important than your job. It's more important than the dollar bills in your billfold. It's more important than your talents. It's more important than your loves, your passions, your attractions, your hobbies, your ambitions. It's more important than anything else. Your life matters because we only have one of those. Yesterday, I I received the Staggering news that one of my close friends was found in his home dead. I was shocked by the news. Not, just didn't expect it, Karen. You know him. Close friend in the past. Gone. Didn't show up where he was supposed to be. 
Anybody heard from him? No, haven't heard. Somebody needs to go to his home. They walk in and find him sitting on his couch at his computer or in his workspace, slumped over, gone. You never know. You only have one. And most of us do not have the luxury or the privilege of knowing when that end will be. So I can't say, well, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll take care of that. I'll fix that. I'll work on that. If you're not doing it right now, there's no promise you'll ever get to. Or have that opportunity at, at all. And so I, I just want to encourage someone today that we only have one chance to get it right. And God help us to, to get it right. It's sobering on this Sunday morning to think about it, but a healthy understanding of this causes us to work. It causes us to labor. It causes us to guard. It causes us to protect. It causes us to live aware of anything that would damage this rare commodity called my life. I need to be aware of what I'm putting into clothes proximity. I need to be aware what I am allowing to happen. I may think that I'm bigger than this. I'm able to handle this. I have more. No, but something so small can get near me. And if I'm not that thing that is so small can couple itself with me and before long everything about my life starts to change everything about my destiny starts to change everything is different than what I expected because I let something that seemed to be so small and insignificant influence me. If the smartest minds alive today understand this power, I pray that you and I don't let it slip from us. If you think that the overt pressure and the obvious, if you will, is what I need to be concerned about, you're mistaken. Well, I can see it coming a thousand miles. That's not what you need to be worried about. I know what kind of spirit they have. That's not what you need to be worried about. Everybody knows that. It's not the over. It's not the obvious. It's not the big. It's not the, oh, it's so clear. It's the pressure. Let me, let me tell you, think again. It's the things that you're not expecting. It's the conversations you did not anticipate. It's the moments that all of a sudden happen in your life. You're like, where, where did that come from? That's what we have to be aware of. That's what we have to be keen to. That's what we have to be sensitive about. And it's not the big washouts, if you will, when the storm has come through. I mean, most people in their right mind are not going to drive through that. It's, it's just when you're about life, Jonathan, and you're taking people somewhere, point A to point B, and all of a sudden there's something in the road you didn't see. And bam, my alignment, my whatever, gone. It's, it's not always those big obvious things. And if you live your life as a Christian thinking that everything's going to be obvious to me, you are mistaken. It's those things that you were not expecting. Those moments that you were not anticipating. It's that time that something just gets near you and couples that little bit of gravitational force starts changing the entire trajectory. You don't see it the first mile. You don't see it the first hundred miles. You, you see it when thou, man, how did I get where I am? Sometimes you have to go back, not days and weeks and months. You have to go back years and say it was right there where all of a sudden something started swaying me. Something started pulling on me. Some, something, I didn't feel this yank. It was just, mm, just something that stung. Something that didn't settle right. Something that didn't sound right. But it, it was insignificant. No big deal. I'm going to let it go. And all of a sudden, we didn't notice, but the trajectory of our spiritual lives, the trajectory started changing. I want to preach to somebody today. That's what we need to be concerned about. And there are 
three things that I want to give you, and I'll hurry along here, that, that if you don't hear anything else that pastor says today, hear this. Consider these things will affect you more than anything else in your life. Number one, people. 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 They mean well. I understand that. But relationships have the most sway in our lives and of our futures. And this is the thing. We have many of those. And it's sometimes hard when you have so many relationships and so many connections and so many people and you're constantly dealing in this all the time to figure out which ones that look so innocent but can make the most devastating effects in our life. People. Somebody shout, friendships. They matter. Friendships matter. I said friendships matter. I'm not going to read all the verses today. You'll just have to go seek them out yourself. But you look at the relationship that Jonathan and David had. Go, go, look, go look at the relationship that those two men had. Had it not been for Jonathan in David's life, David would have unwound many, many years before. David would have been more of a tragedy than what you would ever understand. But because he had a friend, he had a brother, he had a confidant named Jonathan in his life that would constantly say, well, wait a minute, sir. Wait a minute, David. Have you really thought this through? Have you really given this? That friendship in his life was important and valuable. Let me talk about another friendship, Samson and Delilah. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing here. There's nothing, no problem here. There was a coupling that took place. Just tell me where the power comes from. Just tell me where the power comes from. It comes from this. It comes from that. It doesn't happen immediately, Marquise. He just kept putting her off, if you will, telling this. But that coupling over time, over experience, and the, all of a sudden, it was no longer, it was no longer putting her off or sending her down a different path, but now it was this hair that I have, this commitment, and, and you, you know what happened, be careful who you couple with, be careful who you allow into your life, it doesn't start out obvious, this, this will be my demise, this will be my destruction, be careful about all of those influences and people that you allow close to you. Some people were not meant for your life. And you need to be wise enough to realize who they are and separate as quickly as you can because it will affect you over time. And I, 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 I couldn't go through this without talking about Saul and Barnabas. I mean, if you don't know the story, Saul was a murderer, the arch enemy of the church. He had responsibility for the deaths of untold people who profess Christ. And he has this conversional experience. And he's separated, if you will, for a number of years. Now he's coming back. And who is going to make a difference in bringing this guy into the church? His life had been changed, but would the church accept the man that killed their father, killed, responsible for their loved ones being dead and in the grave? Would they allow him to walk in the church and just accept him as a brother now? His life has been changed. But the memories of the past still linger in the minds of the people who knew the threats of this man. And it was Barnabas, the son of consolation, 
that comes along with the Apostle Paul as we know him and introduces him to the church and says, listen, on my account, if for no other reason, would you please trust me? Would would you please mistake my word for it? He's not the same man that he used to be. And they're looking into the eyes of people who knew this man was behind the plot that killed my family. Merciless man. Children and women, innocent, dead by his hand. And now he wants to be a part of this. And Barnabas, as a friend, says, hey, will you please give this man a chance? He's different. And the Bible tells us that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Antioch is where Barnabas brought Paul to. Antioch is where he did all of this dramatic presentation of saying, accept this man. And they decided to let Saul, now Paul, into the church. And so the designation of Christian is put on that congregation because they forgave a man. And they said, can you be any more Christ-like than this? And they were called Christians. But it was the friendship and the word of Barnabas that made it possible. See, people in your lives can either be your greatest advocate or they could be your greatest adversary. Be very careful of the people in your life, the relationships that you bring into close proximity with you. The sad part is, there was another character in all of it, a couple of different ones. One, his name was John Mark. John Mark left Paul and left Barnabas after their first missionary journey. He decided he didn't want anything else to do with this. So he left. He bailed out. He walked away. Paul, Paul didn't like the fact that in the middle of this fire, in the middle of this calling, in the middle of everything going on, you're actually going to leave us and go back home. You're going to walk away when responsibility is great. John Mark is gone. So it's time for Paul and Barnabas to strike out again. And Barnabas says, hey, John Mark wants to get back on the team. And Paul's like, no way. He left us. He abandoned us. You and I are going to part ways right here. And Paul and Barnabas parted ways. And Barnabas, the son of consolation again, took a backslider and said, John Mark's going with me in ministry. And Paul said, Silas is going with me. Friendships, they have their ups and downs. They have moments when they're great and moments when they're not so great. People can affect your life. And they can alter your future. Be very careful about who you allow to have influence into your life. Second, the second area is places. Shout places. Places have great intrigue for most of us. In our mind, we have these ideas of what that place is going to be like, and we have these feelings that, oh, yes, I know in my spirit at that place and this place, and I'd enjoy that, and that'd be a great this, and there'd be a fresh start there, and this could make all the difference in the world. It's always great and wonderful and fantastic until we get there. Say places. Until we get there. And then when you get there, reality sets in. And it's not what you thought. And it's not what you dreamed. And it's not what you had fanciful feelings about. And it's not what, oh, I'm going to do there and I'm going to go there and it's going to be like this. Let's be very careful about places because places 
can influence us in negative ways. Now, places are not as frequent in our lives as relationships and people are. You may have many people that come and go through the span of your life, and you may have only not as many, if you will, places that you have. I'm going to go there, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, if I could just get to that place, everything is going to be all right. Can I just say the grass is not always greener in the other place? Grass is not always greener in, in the other place. I've literally seen cows stick their head through fences to eat grass on the other side of the fence that's this I mean, literally like three inches burn over, but there's a few sprigs of green and something in the cow says, it's greener there and they're literally standing in grass up halfway up their leg, green as green could be, and they've got their head through a barbed wire fence risking their lives to eat one sprig because something inside of them says the other place is more important. The other place holds more intrigue. The other place is my answer. The other place will work it all out. Be very careful about the ideas of places that couple with you that can change your trajectory. Lisa and I saw a cow one day. Apparently it had done just what we were talking about. And, and when it pulled its head back through, realized what was going on, Bob wire was around its neck. I'm not exaggerating. Half of an old fence post was connected to the bob wire around the cow's neck, and the cow was in the middle of a field. I preached about this many times. The cow was in the middle of the field with all the other cows acting like, it was almost like the far side. You ever seen the far side? Some of those comics, you know, like, like when they're standing up and, and then somebody says, oh, Al or whoever says, hey, a car's coming there all down like this. You know, it's one of those deals where in the middle of the field, all these cows are hanging out and this one cow is just trying to fit in. And it has barbed wire and half, half of a fence post hanging off its neck. And it's just trying to act like everybody else. You'll never go seeking things other places that you'll come back and not be affected by that place. There will always be a reminder of what you thought was better. So, once you make the decision, it'll never be the same again. And you and I will live with the consequences, good or bad places. So I don't know that there's much scripture in that. Okay, let's talk about Lot. You know what his place was? The well-watered plains. Abraham said, hey, 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 okay, all right, here's the deal. There's got to be a parting of the ways right here. No way the land can handle all that we both have. And so, Lot, I'm giving it, I'm giving it to you. you. You make the choice. And he looks out and the place for him was my advantage is there. My promotion is there. My future is there. There's water there. It's green there. I can grow there. I can be prosperous there. Give me Sodom. Give me Gomorrah. Places. David was at home when he should have been at war with the kings. The Bible tells us it was the time of war for kings. And David being the king was not at war. David being the king was at home hanging out in his balcony looking over the side at a woman bathing not far away. He was at the wrong place. He was supposed to be in battle. Listen, places, places can affect your life. And out of him being in the wrong place, Bathsheba comes into the story. And David's life is, is affected by this. You know what Jesus said? He's strolling along with his disciples and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he literally said, I need to go to Samaria. 
I must needs go through Samaria. And they're like, Lord, what are you talking about? We're nowhere near there. We're going somewhere else. There's something else on the agenda. That's not what the plans for this week are. What are you doing? You're throwing everything. Presidents of the past that I used to hear about, one of them loved to run. So at random times, he would look at his personnel and say, Going for a run. You're doing what? Yeah, I'm going to be headed out that door and I'm going to be running down that road and I'm leaving right now. We don't have time to set everything up. We don't have time to secure all the roads. We don't have time to do this. I, I, yeah, I'm leaving right now. And all of a sudden, he's out the door running. He's changing the plans, throwing everything into chaos. Potential of all kinds of destruction and disaster and craziness to happen. It was kind of one of those deals with Jesus. He's just strolling along and he said, I need to go to Samaria. He gets to Samaria and he meets a woman by a well. And her life is changed because of a place that he was so influenced by. Places are important. Paul said, the Spirit forbade me. I was headed need to go to Asia. I need, I need to get, but something stopped me and there was a call that came to him. We call it the Macedonian call. It was the place that all of a sudden in the middle of his life, direction started changing. Places have the potential to change our lives. It wasn't a stop from Asia. It was just God had other plans at the moment because if you read on, you'll find out he ended up going there. But it was after God had already taken him to a place where he could be most effective. The third thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll come to a close here momentarily, but the third, the third area, people, places, and purposes. Purposes. Purposes define our lives. What are you being defined by right now? What is your purpose right now? We, we're so one-dimensional that we think the only thing I need to be aware of is people in my life. You need, you, you need to be more aware of just the people in your life. You need to be aware of the places in your life, but not just the places in your life. You have to be aware of the purposes of your life too because at the end, this is the overarching, the overarching theme. There are many people that come and go and there are few, if you will, places that come and go in our lives. But purpose, there's only one purpose for your life and getting that right matters. It's something that you cannot negotiate with. If you don't negotiate with the purpose of your life, it's so paramount that it could result in a wasted life. It's so big that your life, however many years, could literally be a waste. Purpose matters. Sometimes we get so caught up in what our purpose is and what others' purpose is and we never get to really figuring it out and walking in it. When you come to an understanding of your purpose, then all of a sudden places will have to take a back seat and submit to the purpose. And people will have to take a back seat and submit to the place and the purpose. The purpose is what drives it all. And if you're just worried about people, you'll never be able to figure out who's right and who's wrong until you realize your purpose. When you realize your purpose, then all of those other things come. If you're just grappling with people, you'll never be able to pick out which is what should I? But when you get to what the purpose is, the core of your life, out of that purpose, then the places, some places are just not an option because it does not serve the purpose in my life. Some people are not even an option because they do not serve the purpose of my life. And the thing that matters more than anything else is my purpose. And what I see as a pastor is often all of this comes down to people having no idea what their purpose is or having a mistaken concept 
of what their purpose is. And purpose is so, purpose is so touchy that you can talk to people more about their relationships than you can their purpose. You know, some people, well, you're not going to tell me who I can date. You're not going to tell me who I can like. You're not going to tell me who I can hang out. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to grow blah, 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 blah. Hello? See, when it comes to purpose and your true identity and what God created you for, then you automatically know this place will not serve that purpose. And this person will definitely not serve that purpose because they're not willing to accept the places that God may put us into if we're coupled together. I need to preach to somebody and tell you that the enemy will do everything in his power to keep you from ever discovering the purpose of your life. Say, well, does it matter? Let's talk about it for a moment. Ask Noah if it matters. Your purpose is to build an ark. Nothing else. Ark builder. And 120 years later, his purpose kept him. When people came and went, when the naysayers walked by, when the criticizers walked by, when the people said, you've lost your mind, when the folks of the day said, there's no way that's going to happen, his purpose literally kept him building, building, building. And 12 decades later, it finally happened. Your purpose will keep you through life. (laughs) People will come and go and places will come and go and things will happen. Think of this. Noah was building an ark in a place where there wasn't even a ramp to launch it. So let's talk about places. Well, it doesn't look like anything that's going to benefit my life will ever happen right here. You better read your Bible again. He built an ark on dry land with no boat ramp. And no way to move his great object to where the water was. But your place becomes your destiny if you're walking in your purpose. He didn't need to move his ark. God was going to bring the water to where he was. We're jumping for places and running here. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to go there and I'm going to start. I'm gonna, you better be real careful. Because God may be able to take the place you're in right now to fulfill your purpose. What you have to do is just be faithful. And what I have to do is just be faithful to my purpose. And God will put the details together. Ask Brother Noah. He, He can tell you. What about the cross? What about Christ and his life? You know what weighed on him every moment of consciousness was the pressure Calvary. His purpose was to die. His purpose. So Calvary weighed on him. With every miracle, with every healing, with every word, with every teaching, every play, all of it was about Calvary. It was about Calvary. It was on him. It was his purpose. The shadow of that cross was cast on him his 33 and a half years. This is what it's about. You'll get there. No place will keep you. They would love to have hired him and kept him on and said, just stay here for a while. Just stay. In fact, his disciples, a couple of them went with him. A couple of them went with him to a place we call Mount Transfiguration. And he gets there and they have all these experiences. And one of them is like, this is so awesome. Man, I've never seen anything like this before. Let's build, let's, let's erect some temples here. Let's just, let's just stay here. For, this is awesome. But that place wasn't his purpose. There was another hill that was calling him. There was another mountain. They love you, Lord. 
Man, let's start, let's just start a crusade ministry. You just fed 5,000 worth of little boys lunch. You're the man. When they were like, come on, this is awesome. Let's just stay right here. This place, these people love us. Just because the place is accepting and inviting and attractive doesn't mean it's your purpose. The cross is calling me. I can't, I can't stay here, guys. I, I got to get to Jerusalem. Well, I'm not going to let that happen. No, they're, they're not going to take you. No, that's not going to happen. I don't know who you think you are, but I know who I am. I'm, I'm a fisherman. I will take them down piece by piece. God, they're, they're not doing it. Jesus said, you are an offense to me. Get behind me. Why? How could he do that? Because his purpose was the cross. And no matter, see, people will tell you all kinds of things. And if you listen to them, you'll believe your own press. You'll believe, I'm awesome, I'm great, this is all about me. Yeah, yeah, Not if you're living by purpose. You'll walk away from paychecks. <laughs> You'll walk away from positions. You'll walk away from, well, I don't think I could do that. Then you don't know your purpose. Because if God calls you to that, you would be the first one to line up and say, I don't understand how it's all going to work out, but I know one thing. I know who I am in Christ, and I know my purpose, and I'm not going to let this stop me from fulfilling what God has for my life. It's the incremental influences in our life. It's not the big, dramatic, over-the-top, I see it run from that. Ah, it's a scary monster. No, it's the little conversation, the little thoughts that run through our mind, the little opportunities that come and go when we don't know who we are, and they just move us off ever so slightly from the path that he would have us on. Paul said this, my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. He could have talked about all the relationships. He could have talked about all the places. What he talked about at the end of his life, his purpose. Cut my head off, put me in hot oil, shave the skin from my body, fillet me like a fish, crucify me upside down, do whatever you want to do. But I, I did it. I fulfilled my purpose. Somehow through all of this and all of the writing and all of the attention and all of the stuff that could have happened, I didn't let anything sway me. I didn't let anything move me off track. I didn't let anything destroy I want to close and just say that more than anything else, I just want to fulfill my purpose. And there have been people, relationships of all kinds that have come into our lives. And one by one, I've seen some stay and many go. And the only way that I've gotten to where I am today is because I found my purpose many, 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 many years ago. There have been a lot of places. I told someone recently, I've been in every state in the United States. I've been in every province, Canada. I've been in many places in Central America. Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia. <laughs> Go down the list. I don't even know how to track all, all of it. Been in every major city. Preached in, most, preached in most of the states. Preached in the largest of our ministers' conferences and preached in the smallest of churches, in trailers and in outside backyard brush arbors and baptized people in horse troughs and... <laughs> 
and the, the most decorative and ornate tanks <laughs> in our buildings. Pastored in a few states. Lived in several different homes. The people and places have only been able, I've only been able to negotiate those things because of my purpose. In every major decision that has come, there's always been alternate things. Every ministry move that we've made, there have always been alternate things. There's always been invitations. There's always been opportunities. There's always been grass is greener here. The easier road is here. The more lucrative road is here. The more advantaged place, the more political here. Go here. Connect with that person. Pastor that. Take this opportunity. Live there. Please let me tell you, in all these years of ministry, a lot of people have tried to influence and a lot of places have called. But it's all come down to a purpose. This is what God called me to. And I can't do any of those other things. I have to first serve this. And if I serve this, all of those other things will surrender to what's happening in the purpose of my life. So I'm not letting an attitude get a hold of me. I'm not letting bitterness get a hold of me. I'm not letting jealousy get a hold of me. I'm not letting animosity get a hold of me. If you're trifling in that, you don't know your purpose. You're allowing things to bring you down. Strip your calling. Strip your ambition. Strip what God destined you to. Well, this church and that city and this state and this opportunity and that job, none of that moves me. Oh, yeah, I could go. Yes, that's a bigger church. Oh, yes, that's an easier job. Oh, yes, that's a different state. Oh, yes, I could be connected politically there. Oh, yes, I could take that position there. None of that matters when you know your purpose. You let what people say come and go. You let it just roll off of you like water off a duck's back. You let the next, oh, that intrigue, the bright lights, that city. Somebody will recognize me. I don't even look at those things. If it's not what God called me to if it's not what God destined me to it's not part of my life I'll stay right here I'll die right here I'll do what God called me to do because it doesn't matter when you understand your purpose if you don't understand your purpose you'll always be dealing with these immature Lack of spiritual understanding. And you'll think you're one thing. You're absolutely not. And nobody wants to tell you how mistaken you are. But if they do, it'll hurt your already ruffled feelings and feathers. So go back a few weeks. Go back a few months. Go back a few years and figure out what you let get in your spirit because it's moved you ever so slightly to either something that is purpose-fulfilling or something that has devastated the potential that God placed And nobody, somebody had a grievance, so they told you about it. Now it's become your grievance with that person that you had nothing to do with. Now it's your attitude toward them, and you had nothing to do with it. Somebody had a purpose for them to start over in a new place, and you thought, well, they can do it, I can do it, and it wasn't your purpose. It wasn't your purpose. And what they were able to survive becomes your destruction. You're not living their life. You're living your life. You only have one. Make sure, make sure you're living it with an understanding of His purpose so all of those other things will willfully submit to what God has for your destiny. 
Anybody want to step out from where you are and just come join me in this altar for a moment? And we'll pray. We'll pray together. We will. We'll spend a few moments just saying, God, open my eyes. Help me to see if there are things, ways, spirits, attitudes, longings, passions that are pulling at me. That if that, that, that they're not going to benefit the purpose in my life. God, I've just got to settle all of this and say, I want to fulfill what you called me to. I want to fulfill what you are doing in my life. I want to fulfill, God what you have created me for. The thing that matters more than anything else is this one life that I have. And you have a purpose for this life, God. And I want to make sure that I please you in my living. I want to make sure that I please you. Lord, if you give me 20 years or if you give me 70 years, whatever you give me, God, I want that one day. I want to hear you say, well done, God. I I, I just want you one day to look at my life and know that to the best of my ability, I try not to let anything pull me in the wrong direction. Anyone else's spirit or attitude or problem or issue, God, and I didn't let someone else's advantage place or their better setup or what they've been offered be the attractive thing to me. I just want you to see that, God, we're humbly trying to live for you and serve you and please you every day that we live. We want the purpose of our lives, God, to bring glory and honor to you God I know you will use us I know that you have a plan for every man and woman here right now God